This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Orsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wander and Will Lomas. We are here to recap the barn burner that we witnessed at Nissan Stadium on Sunday. Now, Will and I were there. I was indoors. Will was not. Will, how miserable was it? Uh, about half as miserable as any other Titans fan who I can like at least imagine watch that full game if they <laughs> exist out there. Because at least at a certain point, you just felt numb because of the cold and the wet, and it took away a little bit of the pain. I mean, it poured down rain. And like I, like I texted y'all, I was like, I definitely saw lightning at one point, but no one wanted that game to last any longer than it had to. I think to. there was a light flickering because I saw it a couple of times like later too, but there was never any thunder or anything like that. And you know the NFL is just begging to to get those games to extend so they can jam more commercials in there. <laughs> so I have to assume that there wasn't any lightning and it was just like a light flickering, but it, it did look a lot like lightning. I might have just left and then been like, I'll come back later <laughs> if there had been a lightning delay. Uh, disaster. For the Titans against the previously 1-8 and Texans who had the NFL's worst defense entering the game in terms of both scoring and yards allowed. And this is a team that the Titans scored just 13 points against. It was 22-13. to Man, lots of things went badly. I want to start with this, though. Do you feel... Let's take the injuries out of it. Do you feel any different about the Titans than you did Sunday morning? Because I don't. I tweeted that after the game. I'm like, this game does not really affect how I feel about this team at all. I still think that with Henry back, they can win the Super Bowl. You're always just going to get a clunker like that or two or three a season with Vrabel against a bad team. Over and over again. And I don't know that this one was so much the whole addicted to adversity thing that we have talked about. uh, Because they honestly had plenty of it with the injuries. I I don't know what it is, but they're going to lay some eggs against bad teams. Uh, But the good thing is that they always rise to the occasion against the good ones, right? Uh, Let's hope. We'll, We'll see what happens this next week against the Patriots. But, um... I mean, I don't know if I learned anything new. I, I don't think I did. I'm just severely disappointed because I don't care how many injuries uh, they have. I know, of course, they played a huge role uh, in what happened, but I, they should never be losing to, to this Texans team that for a lot of the second half, it looked like they were legitimately tanking. Like Tyrod Taylor was throwing the ball into the ground. They weren't even trying to move the offense. Um. I mean, the Titans should have won that game easily, and even though they had five turnovers, I mean, they almost had a chance to, to to win the game, so I don't know, just super weird. The rain played a huge factor as well. 
all the injuries, um, to bad quarterback play. The running game wasn't awful, but it hasn't been something that they could lean on uh, in key situations. It sucked, man. Like, uh, but I don't know. I, I don't know if this is just a blip on the radar or they're kind of going back to their old uh, old ways. Yeah, I mean, it's it is hard because you say take the injuries out of it, and that's such a big part of the team. Like, yeah. if, you, if you, I guess, I guess the way to say it is, if you could tell me that they'd have Derrick Henry and a half of Julio Jones and a half of AJ Brown, like, yeah, I think that team could win the Super Bowl. Like, the defense is playing well enough. Like, uh, the but you know the domino effect of losing your top five skill position players is, is too hard to conceptualize. But I mean, this is still the team that beat Buffalo, beat Kansas city, beat the, I mean, they, they still went on that historic run and sustained injuries the whole time. You know, it, a downpour against a team with nothing to lose where, you know, you're, you can't do anything right. And everybody you planned on focusing on gets hurt. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't take too much stock in that long term. What happened on defense? We'll get to the offense in a minute because that's obviously the big topic out of this is the turnovers and the inefficiency still. But no sacks of Terod Taylor. And he kind of ran free in the first half. And and Vrabel kind of got weird about that when I asked about it today. I, I don't like what happened. Where What happened to this fierce pass rush playing against an awful offensive front? Well, it's kind of hard to get sacks when Tyra Taylor's getting rid of the ball in like 0.5 seconds, and those were a lot of their okay. plays. So, so let me let me say, respond to that because that's sort of what Vrabel said. Mm-hmm. My counter to that is okay. Then why weren't you doing anything else to stop that? Granted, in the second half, the Titans' defense did stop that offense. But in the first half, when they scored those 12 points, like we were talking about before, before the rain started, uh, the Titans were really doing nothing to inhibit it. It was just quick outs and, and Taylor rolling. And the Titans, like, did nothing about it. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like, it, especially after, like, at least a drive or two, you should be having your cornerbacks play very, very up, or at least pressing these receivers. Um, and the linebackers and safeties playing up as well because they were clearly not even trying to go down the field. Um, not even down the field. They weren't even trying to go like eight yards past the line of scrimmage. Um, so, yeah, like they really should have just been playing very up um, and taking that away in order for the pass rush to actually get there. Um, and, and Tyrod scrambling like... They should. You have to be prepared for that. Like that's that's just something that he's not you that should good. Know. I know. That's but all like, he has. It's, exactly. It's inherent in his like his play style. Like that's the only way that he can actually be efficient moving the offense. Um, it's not like he ran wild, but he did it on two occasions that led to touchdowns. So yeah, it was a little frustrating. But I mean, they held the t- Texans to 190 yards. Like I can't really get too sure up sure. in arms about the defensive I, performance. But I, I just yeah. will say, you know. As Taylor was rolling around in the first half, there were several times where I'm like, all right, well, here's the time where 
you know, Harold Landry's going to buzz around and he's going to be right there to catch him because that's what's happened all year so far. We've talked about the coordination of this pass rush and how when when one guy pushes the quarterback in one direction, there's always someone in that direction to to complete the play. Like that just was absent yesterday. There were several times where I'm like, where where in the world is Landry and where is Jeffrey Simmons or Derek Roberson or whoever they had out there? Yeah, I mean, sometimes Henry was playing slot corner. Uh, he did Landry. that some yesterday again. Sorry, what I say, Henry? Yeah, yeah. sorry. Uh, Landers went slot corner, and then he played off-ball linebacker a little bit, which is always fun to do. Like, look, the defense was was didn't make an impact. They kept the Texans from scoring, whatever that means. But they were clearly like, we don't want to attack you. We just want to get the ball to our offense. You know, we just don't want to give up a big play, which is fine. But I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with that against a good team. Like, but I mean, this, it's it's just the whole team. Like, this whole team doesn't have any sort of cutthroat in them. Like, they they are that they, they want to do as much as they have to, and that's it. That, that's it's why they play down to bad teams. It's why they play up to good teams. Is they don't they don't want to put it on you for four quarters. That, that's just not it's not in their blood. How like, much how that, much of that is the injury stuff though? The fact that they just simply don't have the manpower to be cutthroat and what they are capable of is taking you to the end and ultimately finishing you off, you know, perhaps at the last possible moment. I mean, like that would be a really good excuse for them, but we've seen them do it when they're fully healthy. Like we, we've seen them like remember, and I guess this is different because uh, they had, Deshaun Watson, but like last year, like the Texans were a bad team all year. I think they went four and 12 and they took the Titans to overtime in the first matchup. And then it took like a perfect pass to AJ Brown with like 13 seconds left to get them in position to kick the game winning field goal against them in week 17 last year. Like that, that's just kind of what this team does. Like, you know, it's great when they're doing whatever it takes to win when it's Buffalo, but when they're just doing whatever it takes to win against the Texans, this happens. Like you don't attack, you've got no teeth, you know, like they, they would leave Landry at off ball linebacker because they don't want him pinning his ears back in Russian because they're afraid that Tyrod Taylor will get past him and get to the second level and make a play. Like they're not focusing on, we want to make Tyrod Taylor do this it's we really don't want him to do this to us. And that that's their whole mentality. Like that, you know, that that's just that's who they are. That is that is the team that Vrabel will always have because he thinks that's smart football is you don't do anything to hurt the team. You don't play over aggressive. You, do, you know, you want to make sure you're on the right side of the rule book, all that kind of stuff, which is like, that's not a bad way to play. Like, it sounds like I'm being critical of it. It's not a bad way to play, but the problem is, you know, or, I mean, even in Jacksonville, when the score felt so lopsided, like they never really pinned their ears back and tried to attack Trevor Lawrence. They, they never really tried to attack the Jacksonville defense where it was hurting. They just tried to do enough to win. And that like, that this is never a team that wants to go, wants to put up forty points and pitch a shutout on the other side, like that. They don't. They don't want that game. They don't want to run up the score. They don't. That's. It's just not who they are. Let's take injury stock 
because that's an important conversation to have. Let's just go position by position. Tannehill's healthy, so let's start at running back. Who's hurt at running back? Obviously, Big 22 and McNichols, right? McNichols has a concussion. Yeah, there's there's two starters. Wide receiver, got Julio Jones. Whatever happened to A.J. Brown on Sunday? Marcus Johnson left early. Yep. Cam Batson was on our Racy McMillan. Like, are we talking about just generally or like just as like, like from last week? Generally recently, like, you know, they're not missing get Cam Batson in the game plan, whereas, you know, they might be some right. other guys. Uh, right. Tight end, healthy, I think, right? No, Swain was out. Uh, that's right. That's right. With a concussion. Offensive yeah. line, Lord, they've been all over the place. Uh, yesterday you Nate had. Davis. Yeah, you had Lawan, Saffold, Jones, and Quesenberry, but Davis was out, and you know Lawan's been all over the place. Uh, okay, defensively in the secondary, we'll leave Caleb Farley out of it. That you know that was a while ago. They're pretty healthy in the secondary, right? Is there something nope, I'm Jenkins missing? Jenkins didn't play. That's right. <laughs> yeah, they've got starters everywhere. If you think there's a position group where they're not missing a starter, you're wrong. <laughs> So secondary, they're just missing. Crookshank also went on our not this right. past week, but right before, and he That's was right. there. Nickel and Fulton was and, injured before that. Yeah, yeah but he's, at least he's back. Notably, yeah. as you said, is playing on one foot. Then off-ball linebacker is Evans is hurt. Long is hurt. Mm-hmm. Jay on Monty Rice. Games. I, I don't I don't know what the deal is with Monty Rice, but he got pulled for the special for Cole. Yeah, what for, was for that some point about? he had his helmet on on the sideline. I don't. Again, it's all just whoever plays best in special teams is who Brave was going <laughs> to play out there. But like, I mean, they just pulled him. I, I do not understand why. And then the defensive line: Dupree, Tart, Tart got carted off at the end of the game. Did he really? Did he? I did not see that. That's what I. I think so. I know he got hurt. I, I heard someone talking about he got carted off. I do you're, you're I don't know. You're hearing me Google true. right now. I, I can't yeah, recall. I, I was I was there and I didn't see a cart come on the field. He might have gone to the sideline and got carted from there. I didn't. Naquan Jones at one point uh, walked off the field because he was given like the I need one more play signal to uh, the sideline. And then they were telling him to take a knee so I could figure out who to put in. But I think he came back in later. Like I don't. I don't think they had anybody get carted okay. off. Okay. Uh, well, so we'll, we'll we'll put him on the list because he did leave early, regardless of of what happened. So specialist. Did you say Bud Dupree too? Yeah, Bud Dupree and Tier Tart. And then did Derek Roberson play any on defense? I didn't see yeah. him. Yeah, I saw him out there. Okay. So it's here's the list of players. You know, not the long-term IR guys who haven't been there in a while. And even, you know, Caleb Farley, it's not like he was a crucial part of things before he got hurt. Derek Henry, Jeremy McNichols, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Marcus Johnson, Jeff Swaim, Nate Davis, Jack Rabbit Jenkins, Dane Crookshank, Rashawn Evans, David Long Jr., Bud Dupree, and Tier Tart. Good night. That's bad. That's That's tough to overcome. Especially those... I mean, those offensive players like Henry, Julio Jones, and A.J. Brown, who's been in and out of every single game, like, 
God, man, like it's it's brutal. And I know I said like there's no excusing losing to the Texans, and I still think they should have beat them anyway. But this is tough, man. You can't win with that many injuries. Yeah, I mean, I've, and I've said it before. I think I said this last week where. At a certain point, like I'm all about next man up, and I think you have to have that to be successful because, as Vrabel always says, this league has a 100% injury rate, and he's right. At a certain point, though, you just run out of juice, and it's nobody's fault. It's not Ro- it's not John Robinson's fault that he doesn't have 800 guys who can play. Like At a certain point, when this stuff piles up, you just run out of juice. It happened to the Titans in 2018 in week 17 when they flopped against the Colts with Blaine Gabbert because the injuries had just piled up. I mean, they were gone. They were down Mariota and Delaney Walker and Logan Ryan and just all these guys were out. And you worry that they're trending toward that again. The good news is the bye is very soon. Yes. And I think that will help. After the Patriots. A good amount. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it would have been really helpful. Uh, Like, I mean, I know we're beating a dead horse here, but it would have been really helpful to beat the Texans so you could almost guarantee yourself a first-round buy in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, having two buys in basically a month, like a little over a month span would have been a – I mean, and and it's still – I mean, I think the odds are a 50% chance that the Titans get a first round. That's what I saw this morning. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, all hope is not lost. But at the same time, I mean, now if they if they go out and they beat the Patriots, which we can talk about later, then it's a different world. Like you know, that 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 gives them so many tiebreakers with all the top teams and a good better AFC record. That like, I would have to assume they'd be like an eighty percent you know chance to get it, and it wouldn't. This game's wouldn't really matter. But you know, if you lose sixty percent of your starters on both sides of the ball. And, you know, you have to win a certain amount of games and you're pushing for a one seat. Like, it just gets really muddy. What do you do? Can you do anything? Like, I, you know, we were talking before the show. Like, I see all these comments on Twitter. It's like, fire the strength and conditioning coach. Like, yeah, I, I can't speak to what they do with, with that. I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just think it's luck. I, I, I I don't I mean, know. Then, I, like, I, I mean, it's the it, same then, guy they've had for four years, and this wasn't this one happening last year. Yeah, I, I mean, like they, they, you know, nobody's had this happen, so it's it's hard to say. I mean, they were sort of banged up last year, but yeah, like nothing like this. It, I mean, some somebody is doing something wrong. I don't know who it is. I don't know if they've all gone vegan. I don't know what the deal is, but. I know that somebody is doing something wrong or they're the most historic they're they're the least they're the most unlucky team in history because they've had the most amount of players injured in the shortest amount of time. Like it some something feels like it's not right there and I don't know what it is, but somebody is doing something wrong. I can almost guarantee it at this point. I mean, yeah, they've had a good amount of hamstring injuries and a lot of the time that could be attributed to the training program. But, I mean, Julio had hamstring injuries before he even came to Tennessee. So, I don't know how much stock to take into that. But, yeah, I mean, football's a violent sport. Like, this happens in some time. There's always one team that's, like, incredibly unlucky with injuries. I feel like for a lot of time it was the Chargers. 
Um, and then last year it was the 49ers. Uh, the Ravens yeah, kind of were the this thing year. About but those teams, when I think about the Chargers and the Ra- and, and the 49ers last year, it was like all these guys suffering these like, you know, severe season-ending injuries. Whereas the Titans, it's just like every player on the team is going to end up having played like eight games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, true. or or yeah. they got put on a season-ending hour. Like, I, I mean, Farley, Cam Batson, like, I mean, Weaver, a, a normal human like Derrick Henry would be. <laughs> yeah, Darrington Evans repeatedly like leg exploding. Like, I, I mean, that like they've had big injuries. They're just also having the little nagging injuries on top of it. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it's it's uh. It, like you said, it's concerning, but... You know what's funny is that the last time the Titans... Uh, or the last time I was at a Titans home game, because I wasn't at the Saints game, was the Chiefs game. And the running backs that the Titans deployed in that game were Derrick Henry, Darrington Evans, and Jeremy McNichols. Fast forward to Sunday, it is a totally different running back room. Completely. now Because then it was Adrian Peterson, Deontay Foreman... And uh, 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 Hilliard, whose first name is escaping me. Dontrell? Dontrell. Yeah. Can't yeah. stop Dontrell Hilliard. <laughs> McNichols 2.0. Yeah. You know, number 40 in your playbooks if he's in there, and the number one in your hearts. Look, he played well. You got to give him credit. He, he took he advantage great. of his yeah, opportunity. Fantastic. Like, he, he should have gotten more of an opportunity, but, you know. He just shouldn't have been out there. It should have been. Well, McNichols, oh, whatever. <sighs> oh, dear. We're going to move on to talk about the moment you've all been waiting for. We're going to talk about the Titans offense and specifically the Titans quarterback coming up in 30 seconds. Titans managed... 13 points against the Texans' defense. As I mentioned earlier, entering this game, Houston's defense was the worst in the NFL in terms of both points and yards per game. 32nd in both. What happened offensively for the Titans, guys? I asked Mike Vrabel that question. He said, mistakes, drop passes, interceptions, missed blocks, wrong routes. Is it that simple? That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, that's what happened, yeah. Um, I don't know. It was a disaster. Yeah, like, okay, so, like, is it that simple? It's like, yeah, sort of. Like, you know, injuries, yeah, check. You know, not only are they down their top three wide receivers, but they're down their top three running backs. If you include Darrington Evans in that list and their number one tight end, it's like that's scraping the barrel about as much as you can scrape in terms of who's out there. And then I, I do have a problem with. So this is weird because I've, I've got to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. Des Fitzpatrick did not know what he was doing like. I mean, he was having to be told, like, there's the clip on the sideline and everything where they're basically, like, teaching him how to play his position before he goes out each drive. And part of that's on him because, I mean, he's, you know, he's been in the in the NFL for three months now, but he's also been running scout team. Like, it's not like he's been running 
with the Titans offense. He's just been, they hold up a cue card and they tell him where to go. And he runs that way. Like he doesn't have to learn the play calls. Like he's not asked to do that. He's not given reps, especially not with the ones. So, I mean, at that point he's just being ill prepared and thrown out there, which they didn't have any other options. uh, I mean, other than run the ball, which is what they should have done. But yeah, like it's, it was Tannehill's he's thrown five or sorry, he's thrown multiple interceptions in five games in his career with the Titans. And it's the first time that he's thrown more than two. So like before this, he had four games with two interceptions over his now, what two full years plus playoff games with the Titans. And he'd only thrown that. He'd only throw two interceptions in a game four times. And you know, now he throws four and some of it's because it was a torrential downpour and any smart team would have run the ball. But when you throw 52 times, like, I mean, it, it's likely you're going to throw an interception or two. And when you're throwing to guys who don't seem to know where they're supposed to go, like, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, so, now I will say there were some like bad decisions. The, the early one to AJ Brown was just a bad decision. Like you can't make that throw even if he's your only read on the play, you got to tuck it or you got to throw it out of bounds or whatever. But I mean, for the most part, like he's, you know, Tannehill has to press like this offense wasn't going to do anything other than go five wide and throw it. And I mean, there's no other way to throw, you know, if nobody's getting open, you have to throw what you can throw or you're going to get sacked. The, the discussions online that I have seen about Ryan Tannehill since the game have been extraordinarily toxic. And here's what I mean by that. It is as if people, or no, people are acting as though there is no common ground. Like, you, you either must say Ryan Tannehill is the man and I will blindly support him no matter what, or you must say it is time to find a replacement. And there's a lot of wiggle room between those two extremes, guys. And I don't think that, like, I've seen so many people, it's like, for, remember what it was like with Mariota? Like, yes, of course. It is possible, though, to criticize a quarterback who is objectively not playing well. Now, there are plenty of factors out of Ryan Tannehill's control that have made him look less good, most notably not having number 22 in the backfield has really affected that. Not having trustworthy receivers to throw to, the carousel at offensive line, of course all of that has made Ryan Tannehill's life more difficult, and he doesn't control any of that. But, like you said, Will, at the same time, that's not an excuse for throwing a dart straight at a linebacker when you're in the red zone. That's not an excuse for throwing what was nearly an interception that about three different players dropped late in the fourth quarter, and then two plays later, I think it was, throwing another one. Like, Ryan Tannehill has got to be better. That doesn't mean that I think Mariota was good. That doesn't mean I think they need to start looking for replacements. But lately, Ryan Tannehill has not been good. I would say the same thing about A.J. Brown, who has really dropped the ball as well over the last few weeks. Yeah, 
I, I agree with you. <laughs> I really have uh, much to argue. And yeah, I mean, I, I just I haven't loved what I've seen from Tannehill this year. It seems like he's been forcing way too many throws uh, that he really wasn't doing in previous seasons. Um, and yeah, a lot of that has, has been due to injuries and because he just doesn't have his best players out there. And obviously any quarterback who's throwing to Nick Westbrook, Akine, uh, Marcus Johnson, who's a journeyman, um, Des Fitzpatrick, who, like we said, like he, he didn't really know where he was supposed to be within yeah, the offense bad, for a lot of these rounds. Yeah, I know. And Bad day for him, and, and he's the only one who caught a touchdown and actually caught open yeah, enough yeah. To, to catch one. So, I mean, it's rough, man. Like, I have a really hard time separating Tannehill's poor play from the current situation on offense, not only due to injuries, but also the offense just has not looked crisp the entire season. Whether the best players have been out there or not, like, the scheme has not been working to perfection like it has uh, in other seasons, and I just don't know. I, it's just a meld of different messes. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like a everything is coming together in a negative way, and it's affecting the quarterback, and in turn, it's affecting the entire offense. Yeah, and I mean, it's generous to call this a scheme on offense. It's sort of like the coloring book of a moron, um, but. You know, like, you're you're right, Luke. Like, there has to be somewhere in the discourse for this was a bad pass. He should not have thrown this one. We have also seen that when he has an offensive coordinator or healthy human beings around him, that he can improve. So it's not that he can't be the guy or it's not that he's not the guy. It's that the situation that we're looking at on the field has got to change if they're going to do whatever they want to do in the playoffs. Like, if you're going to call them just a playoff team, cool. They can be doing that better because they're making dumb decisions. They're, you know, Tannehill makes a bad pass. Downing makes 30 bad calls. You know, like, all these things come together and... It, it sucks because it, as soon as you say like, well, yeah, that was a bad pass from Tannehill. Like, even if I say it like, and I'm I, like, I am somebody who believes that the, you know, only a very small amount of blame should go on Tannehill. But even if I say that everybody's like, well, you know, like what was he supposed to do there? And I'm like, I like, I understand. I understand your art. Like, I understand when people are like, well, he's, got injuries and i'm like yeah but that wasn't the product of the injuries that was the product of him trying to force a ball that he shouldn't like and the counter is like you know there's nothing easy in this offense like you have to force everything and that it's a good point like and i mean you're right they're like how many just easy complete like how many times do we watch teams play the titans and the first possession they have it's just a bootleg or a little crossing route to a tight end who has 10 yards of space on either side of him and he gets 12 yards on his first catch. Like, I mean, it happens all the time, but that that's the scripted plays for the Titans aren't there. And then by the times they get out of those, they're already pressing for points or they're trying to get a rhythm going finally. And it's just like, it's just such a bad offense to watch. And when everybody's healthy and, you know, Downing wants to call a run or wants to call like three runs when he shouldn't. Sometimes it works because you've got Derrick Henry. 
And when he wants to call certain passes that are deep shots down the field, you know, like against the Seahawks and the Colts, that worked because you had Julio Jones. And when he wants to call those, you know, the play action shot plays like that are crossers over the middle, that works because you have A.J. Brown sometimes. But when there's no consistency and the defense can come out and say, okay, they're in empty formation, it's going to be a pass, like we don't have to think at all then you're just playing with a hand tied behind your back and like that's a bad decision and maybe it works out maybe it doesn't but you're not helping the offense in any way i think we're all sort of in agreement on this i expected there to be some kind of big debate breakout but it's the rational take Tannehill has not been good but that doesn't mean he is bad just because you drink doesn't make you an alcoholic, you know? Right. Like, when when you watch Tannehill over the first, like, two months of the season or whatever, on a whole, I think we would all agree that he was pretty good. Like, probably wasn't the lethal assassin or whatever, yeah, downfield yeah. assassin that you called him. Like, but part of that's because, you know... He's been he's been playing with Bobby Hart and, you know, of like th- there were reasons why, you know, every time they tried to take a deep shot, he was getting killed. You know, that like there were reasons why, but he was able to do that because he can overcome one or two injuries. But now that everybody's like, we don't care about the pat or we don't care about the run and Downing's like, I don't care if the run's working or not. We're going to run out of empty 40 percent of the game. Then it. Like he's either got to do better or something has to change. And, and I mean, let's not as Sunday was certainly a meltdown game for Tannehill, but as we talked about last week, you know, this marks four weeks in a row that he's had a careless play like that. At least Um, the first one was against the Colts when he threw into triple coverage very early against the Rams. He decided he wanted his first throw of the game to be a quick out against Jalen Ramsey. And then uh, against the Saints, he threw that arm punt to Marcus Williams that was very luckily wiped out by a penalty that didn't affect the play. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I I, I don't think he's played well uh, for for a majority of the season. Um, I think at the beginning he was playing okay and... It was really tough for any anyone to play well, given the state of the offensive line um, and Bobby Hart having to play for even one week. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's difficult. Like, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, at one point during the Texans game, my mind, uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a negative Titans fan, uh, my mind just raised to like, man, we might have to start looking at quarterbacks in the draft soon because he looked bad. He did not look good. Um, but I've calmed down and I've tried to separate myself from the situation. And I've been thinking about like what's been going on. And I just, I don't know what we are actually expecting of him giving the people he's throwing to, uh, the offensive line, not pass blocking even close to as well as it had in previous seasons, Todd Downing, not really helping him, not scheming anyone open really, uh, and then you add on the fact that he threw 52 pass attempts in the pouring rain. And when you think about all of that in one, you're like, I mean, what were we expecting? 400 yards and three touchdowns? Like, it's impossible. Well, here's what I think we should expect. And I've, I've gone to this phrase 
that I'm about to use over and over again over the last few weeks talking about this offense as a whole, which, as I wrote after the game, has really stunk since Derrick Henry went out. They've been bad since they lost Derrick Henry. We can get more into the unit as a whole in one one second because I do have a, a question I want to ask you guys about Todd Downing. Uh, but what we should expect from Ryan Tannehill is efficiency, not explosiveness. When Henry and Julio and A.J. Brown are all in there, it should be explosive, and they should be scoring points and moving the ball like crazy. But with most of those guys out and just sort of a halfway there, A.J. Brown, you can't. You, you don't have to expect explosiveness, but you still want to see efficiency. You want to see things being executed. You don't want these plays to look clunky. And I get that Todd Downing was awful on Sunday, his worst game easily as the Titans offensive coordinator. But at a certain point, like players just got to execute whatever is called, even if it's not good. And, and like Vrabel kept saying after the game, and he's right, you know, it's 11 guys. I'd say 12 because of Todd Downing. But, you know, the, the offensive failure for the Titans, as bad as Tannehill was, it was everyone. Um, other than, like, I don't know, the offensive line was all right, I guess. But Yeah, they weren't. Um, but so <laughs> I, I, I say that to say this because like we, like, we can be honest, like y'all aren't going back and watching the offensive line. Like it's just, it's just not something that appeals to y'all and that's, that's a hundred percent fine. Um, so I found this on like time to sack, which is like how long a quarterback has it before he gets sacked on average. Yeah. Uh, Tannehill has the fastest time in the league at 2.6 seconds. Um, for reference, the middle point is about 3.2 seconds, and uh, the let's see, the guy who gets sacked the slowest is Trevor Lawrence with 4.2 seconds. So he's basically getting half as much time as Trevor Lawrence is in the pocket. Like, I mean, it's just it, it's it's so hard to say like the offensive line is bad. It's like no, 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 like. That's completely underselling it. Like the offensive line is actively like trying to assassinate. Like, like Matthias, how you think Tyrod Taylor played in the second half with his passes is how the offensive line has played all year. Like that they, they are the single worst pass blocking offensive line in the league, and that only gets worse when you declare that it's going to be a pass before the snap happens. So again, like. I, I think you're right. Like, I think I think you should expect efficiency, not explosion. I think that's a really good concept. Um, I would say that it would help if the offensive line could do the smallest part of their job or if wide receivers knew where they were supposed to go and if they didn't drop passes when it got there. But, like... You are correct. Like, I'm not, I'm not disputing that that should be the expectation. But, again, like... Even completing a pass in this offense is a small miracle, <laughs> just because of like you, you like so many things have to go right. Like you have to get the offensive line to block for more than two point five seconds, which historically hasn't happened. You have to get a wide receiver who happens to know which way he's supposed to run, and then once the ball gets there, he actually has to catch it. And then you've got to do that twelve times and avoid an interception and avoid, you know, making a bad decision along the way. So I, I don't know, like I've got, I've got very little hope for this offense. And by the way, just in case anybody is keeping track at home, they ran six play action uh, passes yesterday on 52 pass attempts. Were they all six so, completions? 
three were completions for 10 yards an attempt, uh, no interceptions on those. So I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's just, it's just so, like, it's just such a bad job. I mean, like, yeah, if this was Russia, he would already be dead in the street. <laughs> like, I mean, like if this was a Russia, like a Russian, like athletic event, like Putin would have had him gone. <laughs> so, but, you know, we let, live in America. That's let me, going. let me pose this question about Todd Downing because, and this isn't necessarily just about Todd Downing. It's about sort of the offense as a whole. When Henry went down, Todd Downing said, it would be unfair if I jerked the wheel now simply because of one injury, albeit one to a, a superstar. And Vrabel kind of said the same thing. Tannehill did too. It's like, you know, we're going to keep our identity, right? We're going to keep running the ball. We're going to run that play action. And then we're going to take shots down the field, you know. So here, here it's really a two-part question. Number one, has that happened? Has the identity stayed the same? And I think perhaps it's hard to assess that because the efficiency has been so poor. But, but has the identity stayed the same? Are they conceptually trying to do the same things that they were? And if so... Isn't it time to start jerking that wheel a little bit? Because it's not working. Because three games in a row, clunky, out-of-sync, sloppy performances since losing Derrick Henry. I don't know if they've been doing the same thing as they usually like. I don't feel like they've been running the ball as much as they did with Derrick Henry. And obviously, like, I'm not expecting them to give 30 carries to Adrian Peterson but, you know, 15 for Adrian Peterson, 15 for Foreman. I mean, it seems fine. Foreman, Foreman has been fine. He like he, He's averaging, what, close to five yards to carry, I'd say, since Something he started higher getting than Peterson. touches. Yeah, well, definitely uh, higher than Peterson, although Peterson had a couple of runs in this game. Yeah, Peterson uh, had that four were, and a half yards per carry last game. Yeah, like he was fine. And Hilliard had 40 yards on seven carries or something like that. Yeah, five so, yards per carry. I don't know, like maybe they need to just run the ball more. I, I mean, 52 pass attempts. I know a lot of that was due to the game environment um, because they were chasing points for pretty much the duration of the game. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I really haven't. I don't know if one of you knows, but I haven't seen them run too many like outside zone plays that w- they would always run with Derrick Henry. Um, and hopefully he would find a cutback lane. I haven't really seen that with Foreman or Peterson. Um, and they keep running those, oh my God, up the middle with Peterson. Who Peterson is just hesitant right now. He's not hitting the hole, and the offensive line isn't really blocking well on those short-yarded situations. And they still don't. like They're running out of bunch formations, and it's just it's really annoying. Yeah, I mean... Did they jerk the wheel? I don't know. I can't remember last time Tannehill threw 52 times in a game. Like, especially when the running game was working. Like, I mean, also, that assumes that that this team has an identity. Like, they don't. Well, they certainly did before Henry got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I... I guess that's true. Like the, the identity was like we hand it to Henry and we give him so many touches that you know he'll either explode <laughs> or he'll be fine. Like yeah. I mean, yeah, but like that's not an identity. That's like peer pressure. I mean, Todd Downing doesn't want to do that. Even then, they didn't run what Henry runs well. Like Henry just happened to make stuff work every now and then. Like, uh, it, like 
he, I, like, I don't know. I mean, it's just so obvious that he's just a snake oil salesman and like, you know, you'll go to the media and he'll say, he'll say all the right things. And then his actions do something else. Like he'll preach how we've got to get back to the fundamentals. Like we've got it, you know, guys got to block up front better. I thought we did better with our run blocking on the, you know, and he'll say all that. And then everybody will nod their head and say, yeah, he says the right stuff. But nobody critically thinks in that moment, like, oh, well, then why didn't you run the ball instead of throwing it 52 times in a torrential downpour? And sure, like, you know, it was the gap wide and late, but you can't if you're running the ball at five yards a clip you can't run the ball with you know seven minutes left in the third quarter like i mean like you're so i mean you're down so bad that even with your starting two wide receivers out like from this game you can't run the ball like or you can't at least line up like you might run the ball like i mean he just he doesn't know what he's doing like he's in over his head he should not have this job uh, he he is ill-prepared he knows the right things to say and he's doing like he's doing the worst. Maybe one yeah. day he will, he will understand what offense is supposed to look like and he'll understand how to use people in the best way. But I mean, right now he just looks like a 14 year old on Madden who's calling whatever he thinks might work and panicking and not building any rhythm. Like he's just, a, he's a bad offensive coordinator. So yeah. well, and go ahead. No, like, this shouldn't come as a surprise. Like, he has had an offensive coordinator job in the past with the Raiders. It did not go well. Pretty much everyone hated him. Derek Carr had the worst year of his career, aside from his rookie season, in terms of yards per attempt. Um, He threw the highest number of interceptions in his career. Like, it's been, like, he's not a very good offensive coordinator, and I don't know... Uh, if we really should be all that surprised by what's occurring. Before we get into the Patriots, because I want to talk about the Patriots because they're playing very well. Overall big picture question. You know, there were so many mistakes. Like I, I listed the ones that Vrabel mentioned and, and one of you two were like, that's a lot. Like what went wrong yesterday was a million things. But what is so interesting about sports and competitive events, I mean, heck, I remember this even from doing like debate stuff in high school where you go out and you have a performance that is well below your standard, you know, whether you lose or win and you're just not happy with it. And then the very next round or game or whatever, you're clicking on all cylinders and everything you did wrong the last round is gone. And, and that's just sort of the nature of these things. So, you know, talking about the corrections that have to be made and is this the Titans now? Like, I tend to think we're going to see a totally different team against New England, whether they win or lose. I'd like to believe so, and I do think so. I do think they're going to come out and play one of their better games. Um but I just can't get over how many injuries they have. And especially if A.J. Brown is out, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know if they're going to score enough points on offense, especially against the Patriots defense. that has been so good uh, for the last couple of weeks. It's going to be a real, uh, a real tough test for, for the Titans offense to, to score enough. The good thing is the Patriots don't really have a very high powered offense. I know. I think they lead the league in point differential, uh, but that's because they had like a huge win against the Jets uh, and the Sam Darnold Panthers. But their offense like isn't 
high octane. Like Mac Jones is fine, but he really only takes what's given to him. Uh, their running game is solid with Damian Harris and now Ramondre Stevenson. But I mean, the the, the Titans could could easily win this game. I'm just worried about the offense scoring enough for that to happen. The the one thing that goes in the Titans' favor is that Mac Jones is not a quarterback who runs a lot. Like uh, Shane Bowen, like for all the good he's done this year, like he is terrified of running quarterbacks. He will not attack well, them. That's all they like, play. He, that's what the NFL is now. Well, it wasn't with Stafford, and it wasn't with Simeon. Like you know, sure, where where they really where they really showed up and you know had their best games. Like it's not really with Wentz, but. But, I mean, you're right. Like, I mean, it, it would be nice to be able to stop one and attack one, but he just doesn't quite have that figured out. Maybe when, maybe if David Long comes back at some point, like, he'll he'll be able to be a little bit more aggressive. I don't know how much is on the linebackers, but, yeah, like, I, I think, I, I've said this for a long time, like, I think Vrabel cares about this game. I think this is the one game on the schedule that it doesn't matter what the records are. Like, you know, like... We we know that Vrabel prepares the team differently. Like it, he has different, I guess I'll say he has different levels of success preparing the team. Um, and the Patriots are like a playoff team. Like they are a team to rise up and really, you know, compete against. So well, they're I, leading I don't their division to, right now over Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. Which huge win for the Titans that the Colts beat Buffalo. If the Colts don't beat Buffalo, like. Buffalo's got a good chance at the one seed, but because Buffalo lost, that that really helps the Titans. Um, so thanks, Colts. Uh, but with the Patriots, like this is a team they should play up to. Vrabel's going to be so pumped to hear everybody talk about how bad the Titans are and how they can't do anything now. Like, I mean, I I'm not sure how. I mean, I guess that's why he was playing with everybody's like recorders and everything is because he was excited. Like he oh, knew he's was done coming that next. for four years. Well, he he was pumped. Like whatever you know, I, I I'm I'm excited to see what he does because I know this is a game he'll be motivated for twice over. But yeah, like I I know that when I look at the team that they'll probably have to field because I I don't expect AJ to play. I, I don't think AJ will be out. I think they'll get Swaim and McNichols back. Uh, but I mean, they may take an extra week off for Nate Davis since he's had two concussions this year. Like, I, I don't know, like maybe that maybe they let him play. I don't know, but like they, they're still going to be banged up. We don't know about David long, like, but you know, if they have to go out there without AJ Brown, like, and probably without Marcus Johnson, like I don't, I mean, I can name the three receivers they'd play, but it wouldn't matter to anybody. Like they're not game changers. So, I don't know how they'll score. It'll have to be a defensive thing. Like they'll just have to make Mac Jones uncomfortable, and it'll be like when the Patriots played uh, the Bucks earlier in the season. It was nineteen to seventeen, and the Patriots won. But uh, I mean, I, all I'll say is I know they'll be much more aggressive and much more prepared this week than they were last week. I want to talk more about the Patriots, specifically a mental trap that I think a lot of Titans fans are falling into with the Patriots. We will also do Stop the Nonsense, and I'm going to come out firing and Stop the Nonsense today. That's all happening in just one moment. You're listening to No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. (laughs) 
Here's the mental trap I think Titans fans are falling into. They're looking at this Patriots team, which five in a row, right? Or, or five out of their last six, one of the two. I think it's five in a row. Five in a row. Uh, very similar to what the Titans just did, six in a row. But looking at this Patriots team saying five in a row, and they're saying, well, you know, let, let's really look at who they beat. Okay, they beat the Browns, who aren't playing very well. Uh, they, they beat the Falcons, who didn't have Cordero Patterson. And, you know, Matt Ryan's kind of old and not playing well. And, you know, they, they played this team, and they beat them. But, you know, it's all of that is fine. Except for the fact that, for the most part, the same people making those arguments are the same people who lost their ever-loving minds when Keyshawn Johnson said the Titans aren't a real 8-2 and two football team. Now, was that stupid and incorrect? Yes. However, how can you look at Keyshawn Johnson and say, well, the Titans are absolutely a real 8-2 and two football team. I mean, what does that even mean to be a fake 8-2 and two team? You don't get to 8-2 and two by accident and then look at the Patriots and call them a fake 6 and 4 football team. I is that not a is there not a fallacy there? Kind of, yeah. I mean, I don't think we can overlook the Patriots at all, especially what they've been doing lately. Like I know the Browns haven't been playing well, neither have the Falcons, neither have the Panthers. Um but I mean, they crush them like a good teams crush teams that are bad. Like that, that's just what you're supposed to do. And especially when you're a Bill Belichick coach team uh, with good coaches around you, like that's what you're going to do. The good team is going to crush a bad team. And not only that, I mean, they beat the Chargers. They played the Cowboys to an overtime. Um, they played the Bucks very close. Like, this is a tough team to play against, and and I don't think anyone could just come out and say, no, they're not really as good as as, as the record would suggest. I, I, I don't think we could do that. I do think we could point to their offense not being great. I, I think a lot of it has been buoyed by their defense just playing outstandingly well and, and putting them in, in good situations um, on the field. But, I mean, that's a good team. Like, both sides of the ball have to be in sync. uh, And that's exactly what the Patriots have been doing. They haven't been turning the ball over. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, it's going to be a tough test. And they are a very good team. I I do think maybe they're a little bit overhyped at the moment. Like, people are calling for Mac Jones to be, like, offensive rookie of the year slash MVP. That's insane. He's really just a game manager. Um, I don't think he could go toe-to-toe in a shootout, really, although he kind of did um, against the Cowboys. But I don't know. I mean, well, it's going to be tough. he lost that one, though. Yeah, he lost that one, yeah. <laughs> um, something something to note. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, they're, they're, they're a good team. They're a good team, and, and we really can't overlook them, especially because the Titans can't look o- overlook anyone. Yeah, it helps that, that that last thing you said. It really helps that the Titans aren't in a position to overlook anybody. Um, but yeah, like, I think the big problem that people had with Keyshawn Johnson was that he said, like, now if the Chiefs had this record or if the Bills had this record, I'd believe them. 
after the Titans had beaten both of those teams. Like, yeah, I think that's that that's the big sticking point is like if you want to say like, OK, their competition is bad, like you're dumb, but you're entitled to your opinion, I guess. But to say that and then be like, I, but I mean, they couldn't you know, they couldn't hang with the Chiefs or Bills after they beat the Chiefs and Bills like that was the dumb thing. Like, I mean, th- there are issues with, like nobody should ever apologize for winning. But, you know, the Jets with I, I want to say that was that the Mike White game? No, probably not. It's probably still Zach Wilson. Um, I mean, they beat the Jets 54 to 13 and just stomped them, which I mean, of course, Belichick did. Belichick is heartless in a way that I wish Vrabel was. But <laughs> like, that's why you get these lopsided wins is because like that like they don't care like they're gonna like they hate everybody they play and they're gonna beat them like that and you know they beat the chargers which it was was a good win like 27 24 that's good they beat the panthers where the in sam darnold's last game where he was playing with a broken shoulder like that's a little suspect to me they only beat him 24 to 6 uh then they beat the browns like right as the browns were like imploding like with the odell beckham and all that stuff and then the Falcons, like beating the Falcons twenty-five to zero off of a pick six at the end, like it's all like I mean, I, I, they're not fraudulent, but I do think that people who are arguing the case, like, oh, they're back, you know, they should be the one seed, like they're awesome, like maybe, but I don't think we know that yet. We'll know a lot more after they play this next stretch where they play the Titans, Bills, Colts, and Bills again. I, I just I look at this game and it, it, it's it's weird because I I look at the Texans game and the Titans losing to the Texans and it's like well against the Patriots like that's when we'll actually learn something about this team not the fact that they got you know they didn't really get eviscerated because it was just a nine point game but like the Texans controlled that game and really dominated it from start to finish. It's, it's yeah. weird, man. I, <laughs> go figure. But, I mean, again, the difference is, is we know that Brable, like Brable, was always going to lose to the Texans. Oh, oh but yeah. At least, at least in this case, like they have the rainstorm they can blame. They have injuries they can blame. Like you can kind of put this in the back of your mind because of how many bad things happened in the game. But the, Vrabel, I mean, no way Vrabel was going to go on a seven-game winning streak with a bad team in there. Like, you know, yeah, he beat Jacksonville. What got me was yesterday I was writing after the game, and there was some Texans reporter that walked in and was like, man, that was something, wasn't it? And Teresa Walker just spoke up and goes, none of us are surprised at what just happened. <laughs> it's like, yeah. this was not shocking to anyone. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like, it's it's I, I crazy. Didn't, I like, didn't predict that that was going to happen. Like, of, co- of course, I thought the Titans would win, but I wasn't watching that game going, man, what is happening? I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Super frustrating. I uh, wish they would not do this, but yeah, that's just <laughs> who they are. And we try, I know we had the conversation last week, like, are they finally past the need? Like, oh, yeah. are they past this? They're no, they're not. This. They will never. And, they will so never nice. pass this. And what's great about it is you can win the Super Bowl having this problem because the great thing about being in the playoffs is you don't face crappy teams. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, like you're not facing the, the Jets answer. in the yeah. playoffs. Yeah. Thank goodness. Although the Titans certainly laid an egg in the postseason last year. 
Let's get to Stop the Nonsense. I'm going to start this week because I just... Dumb narrative that is being started. So Jonathan Taylor ran for five... or He accounted for five touchdowns on Sunday. I think it was like three rushing, two receiving. And Peter Schrager, who I like a lot, he and Kyle Brandt and Kay Adams and the crew on Good Morning Football are phenomenal. But my man Peter Schrager, this is a dumb tweet, he says... Is Jonathan Taylor the league MVP? Okay, first of all, touchdowns, it's great for fantasy football. It's not indicative of performance. You know, if if I say, you know, how good is X running back? And you say, well, he had 14 touchdowns last year. It's not really giving me any context. Agreed? Yes. Okay. Yes. If... Jonathan Taylor wins MVP, were to win MVP, it is completely and utterly disrespectful to what Derrick Henry did in 2020. Because if I remember right, were we even talking about Henry as an MVP candidate last year? I remember when I did my PFWA ballot, I voted for Aaron Rodgers. I didn't really even think of Henry. I, I can't remember if he was in the conversation or not. No, no one even mentioned him, I, I don't think. Now, he won Offensive Player of the Year. By a landslide, I'm pretty sure. But look, it also took Jonathan Taylor three games to get to Derrick Henry's rushing yardage total. And when the NFL's Twitter account puts out that graphic this week of rushing leaders for the season, Henry's still going to be like two or three. So it was a dumb point that was being made. And it's not just Peter Schrager. Because as we were doing this podcast, I pull up Twitter and Trey Wingo is also propagating this narrative. I'm trying to find a tweet right now. Um, okay, where is it? Trey Wingo, Jonathan Taylor. Can't find it. But I definitely saw Trey Wingo talking about Jonathan Taylor needing to win MVP. And this is just dumb. It, it is a bad take because jo- Jonathan Taylor wasn't even the best running. No matter what happens the rest of the season... Jonathan Taylor will not have been the best running back in the NFL in 2021. Sorry. Derrick Henry, in however many games he played, just was so phenomenal that, like, and what's also bothersome is none of these people were saying Derrick Henry for MVP. It's just because Jonathan Taylor scored 50 fantasy points that, and he plays for the Colts, who are, like, I could go off on a tangent right now that I think Frank Reich is a good coach who's being let down by a lazy general manager. But that's a discussion for another day. This is a dumb take. Jonathan Taylor for MVP. Yeah, Yeah. what makes it even more dumb is that the Colts are ninth in the AFC playoff picture, yeah. two spots out of an actual playoff position. So what does it matter what Jonathan Taylor is doing right now if he's not even getting them to the playoffs? He had one yeah. great game, and he's had a... A fine season. He's had a Pro Bowl season, but this is ridiculousness. Well, and it, it, look, it, it was a great game, like you said. Like the problem is that Austin Eckler basically did the same thing on the yeah. same night. <laughs> like that. Like that's the problem. Is like Austin Eckler went out and did the same thing, and he's been doing it forever. Like the difference, and really the entire difference is Carson Wentz is actually bad. Where last year Tannehill was very good and efficient, yeah. so Carson Wentz I think was like 
nine of 20 or like 11 of 20. Like he had some really bad for like a hundred yards. Like he had some really bad stat line and there is no reason to explain why all of these people like the, you know, that picked the Buffalo bills to go to the super bowl. Like there's no reason to explain why they're doing poorly and why they lost to, you know, the Jaguars and the Colts and like, a three week span, except to say like, is this guy the best run? Like and to deflect all the attention onto Jonathan Taylor, which whatever. I mean that, that none of these people would actually vote for him. They just want to get, you know, a Twitter buzz and all that kind of stuff because they want to be morons. Well, my, um, my quote tweet of Peter Schrager is neck and neck with him. We're getting close to it being a ratio. So I'll keep you, I'll keep you, you posted. On that. <laughs> um, I'll do mine because this is from Eldon English and he like tweeted at us uh, and it's very specifically for me, but it's this guy who I'm not even going to like say his name because I've already muted him on Twitter, but he said after the Texans game, he replied to the Tennessee Titans official account and he replied uh, to their six things that stood out that Wyatt does every week. And he said, fire John Robinson. He sucks. And like no. he, he went on to argue, <laughs> he he went on to argue that like it's like uh, he's only had two good draft picks and it was Derrick Henry and somebody else and like that was it and I'm like uh, yeah. I'm not even sure it was AJ Brown. How about like, I mean I'm just gonna name two others: Kevin Byard and Christian Fulton. Point disproven. Yeah, it's like Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, yeah. like, we we can do like we can do yeah. this, but like <laughs> you know, like he's drafted all pros and pro bowlers and hall of famers. Like, I mean, he like he, he he's undoubtedly a good general manager, but it's like that that opinion, which is dumb anyway, combined with the fact that it came as a reply to like what stood out from the Texans' loss. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, look, there, there's nothing like I can dislike some of the stuff that you know Vrabel chooses to do or whatever, but you can't fault him for having a historically injured team. Like, like just like you can't fault Robinson. Like there's some stuff that this team is not going to be able to get around and they're going to have to try to like overcome it. But there's no right way to use like the 84th person you bring onto the roster. Like it's not yeah. like it's like, ah, oh, he went out and spent 80, like $800,000 on Dylan Cole to fill this one spot. And it's like, no man, like it's like they're just trying to make it through to next week. Well, and this so that's goes, just an insane time. It goes back to what we're talking about with Tannehill. Like you can't just say because, like, I think it's a fair take that, like, you know, you know, John Robinson's draft classes the last few years have been pretty underwhelming. Like, of course they have. It's it's a fact so far. You know, jury's still out on Farley and Raidens, etc. But so far, it's not been great. But like to then jump from that to he must be fired. Like there, there, there's space between he's a savant drafter and he needs to be canned. Like let's find somewhere in the middle, you know. Yeah, and then and then like again, like even beyond all of it, for the, for it to be like this eight this loss when the Titans are the one seed and eight and three, like this loss is what really, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, now yeah. it's time to fire John. I'm like, I don't understand how that happens. There's no in between, especially on Twitter. It has to be, it has to be fired or a uh, hall of fame. <laughs> That's yeah, how you're with us or against us. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right. I will uh, close us out with, um, 
This just happened, uh, I think, about an hour, two hours ago. Uh, the Saints oh, boy. signed Taysom Hill <laughs> to a four-year extension that could be worth anywhere between $40 million to $95 million. Um, and that $55 million discrepancies um, can be earned if he gets the starting quarterback job. Over the next four years, uh, it also has $22.5 million in guarantees. Um, I don't know what in the world the Saints are doing with this guy. I do not understand it. They're giving this contract extension, and, and they've done this before. Like They gave him a huge contract, although it was like a weird one where he only ended up getting like maybe a million or a couple million dollars. I don't know when initially... It was said he could get $90 million, but he never won the starting quarterback job. Um, but this one was like a real contract where he's at the very least getting a lot of money. And he, has to, he hasn't even been able to beat out Trevor Simeon for the quarterback job after Jameis Winston uh, went out. He also lost the, the starting quarterback battle to Jameis Winston. Um, and he's not even playing. Like, he doesn't do anything. He has... How many passes has he had this year? He has seven completions. He has four catches, and he has a about twenty rushes the entire season. Like what? What is this Taysom Hill thing? Why won't it end? Why does he keep coming away with so much money? Why are they paying him? Is this some sort of scheme? Is this like a pyramid scheme or like a money <laughs> front front laundering? I don't yeah, know. Money it's super weird. Yeah. Super weird, and I really don't get it. Like, I think Taysom Hill is a player that can help a football team win games. But in terms of him getting this much money, I feel like the Saints are bidding against himself or themselves. Like, you know, if you're offering me Taysom Hill, sure, you know, I, I, I can make Taysom Hill happen and do some cool things. I mean, he contributes on special teams. He's a gadget guy. You can put him back there and do wildcat, and he's a good enough thrower. You know, you can throw a defense off. But this, you know, $10 million AAV for this gadget player who has very minimal impact. Impact, but not a whole lot of it. I just don't, I don't get it. Super weird. It's and the, the, the Taysom Hill experiment continues. Well... Next week, we won't be previewing a game because the Titans will be on the bye week, something they could really use. So until we see you next time, for Will and Matthias, I am Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense.